0: Hello and welcome to Risk Chats with Affirm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today we're going over the report that was recently written about the 2021 ERM workshop. It was a joint uh, event held by Affirm and AGA, so we're actually doing a dual cast, as I call it. So you'll see this over on our uh, AGA podcast as well as our Affirm podcast. So to discuss the report and the workshop, we have Bert Nuring and Steve Coons, and uh, let's get into the show here. See what we uh, learned. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. All right, another exciting affirm podcast here, and uh, we have a couple of really good guests. We're going to be talking about last year's ERM workshop that was put on in combination between a firm and AGA. Uh, there was a report. That came out summarizing the session a little while ago. And uh, we've brought Bert Neuring here as well as Steve Coons, And uh, we're going to see if they can give us a little more insight into that. So why don't we just start off with uh, introductions? So, Bert, say hello there.
1: Yeah, hi, Paul. Thank you so much. My name is Bert Neuring. I partner with Crow. And uh, it's been my pleasure to serve uh, in the capacity of uh, helping with the organization of the. ERM workshop for the last couple of years. And so uh, it's a great opportunity to be here with you today to talk about last year's workshop. Awesome. And Steve?
2: Yeah, my name is Steve Cons. I'm the Deputy CFO for the Department of Commerce, as well as working on the Workforce Modernization Executive Steering Committee as part of the Federal CFO Council. And thanks for having me.
0: Great. Absolutely. Welcome to you both. So, Bert, why don't you kick us off, uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about the report you guys wrote, just a high level. What did the, the 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 workshop cover, and you know
1: what's some of the contents of that report? Yes, be happy, to, Paul. Uh, the workshop focused on three key areas, uh, and uh, no surprise, in 2021, uh, in the midst of the pandemic, uh, we we had several themes around the effect of COVID. Uh, the first one was on the entity's mission and priorities. And so the session covered, uh, you know, how COVID affected uh, the entity's mission and priorities are assisted uh, with the reaction and response. Uh, the second session uh, that we talked about related to the effect of COVID-19 on the workforce. And then the third would was related to ERM in uh, times of budget uncertainty. So those sessions really talked about, you know, with the circumstances that we were facing uh, in 2021, uh, how ERM can play an important role within those particular areas and uh, really focused on, you know, some some uh, good examples of, of how entities were able to address uh, those particular matters through ERM. The session then uh, kicked off, Uh, I'll just talk a little bit about what uh, we covered. Uh, Tom Brandt, uh, who was the Chief Risk Officer of the Internal Revenue Service, opened up the workshop, kind of kicking off that theme, uh, talking about ERM's maturity and how that level of maturity really helped the government uh, address uh, some of the issues around COVID. You know, one of the things that uh, Mr. Brandt noted was that the federal government is still developing its ERM programs, and they emphasize that a standardized approach uh, will help the maturity model. And I think that kind of uh, bared itself out as related to looking at how uh, agencies strategized around uh, managing their, their mission and priorities, as well as the workforce and budget. Uh, during this time. Uh, also, uh, Mr. Brandt noted that the risk appetite and tolerance and adjustments and resulted in adjustments to those uh, particular risk risk appetites and tolerances because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so a lot of those aspects uh, really uh, helped frame up the um, uh, discussion for the day as we went into then uh, three different uh, working sessions, uh, covering, uh, topics of COVID-19.
0: Right. Makes sense. You know, two years of this, it's not going away. You have to keep talking about it, but that's okay. It's actually a great risk management, uh, case study, so to speak, that we're all living. So makes sense to me. So why don't we cover, uh, yeah, let's talk about those three major areas. If, uh, Bert, maybe you don't mind kicking us off and then we'll have Steve jump in here too with some, some of his thoughts. And, uh, why don't we start off with that, um, the one you all did about the actual COVID effect on entity mission and priorities.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and I think with regards to this particular session, uh, you know, the pandemic really reinforced the need for agencies to assess their risk management processes, understand how the risk related to COVID nineteen affected their mission and business operations and also identified areas where there might be weaknesses and opportunities that they needed to, to address. So some key themes in this session uh, really focused on how a uh, couple agencies. So uh, we had representatives from uh, the Defense Logistics Agency, uh, Eric Babers, and then Kyle Bettis from Chick-fil-A. And it was really interesting getting their respective perspective uh, on how things have changed uh, Due to the pandemic and how they utilized ERM in that particular area. And a couple of themes that they really touched on uh, related to the increased fraud risk, also, how they presented new and creative thinking that ERM really, that process really helped them look at things a little differently and come up with new ways to approach their activities. And also, really addressed how do they approach IT and how can IT help with some of the challenges and the opportunities that an organization might have. So with regards to increased fraud risk, uh, the speakers talked about, um, you know, the funding that was available through the federal government uh, in response, and, uh, you know, how, um, you know, this created a risk of fraud. And so from the standpoint of the agency's perspective, they really needed to to take that into account and really look for what they've been incorporated into their ERM processes around fraud risk. The, the, you know, and as agencies really looked at, you know, how do they incorporate new ways of thinking? And I think ERM really had an opportunity to help organizations um, look at how they prioritized items. Uh, as it related to even procurement as well as some of the restrictions that they they uh, uh followed uh as an agency and so what i think the speakers talked about is ways that uh they were a- able to uh better communicate uh some of the risks because it it was apparent uh that they really needed to uh increase their communication under these circumstances because they weren't able to do business that they the way they normally did And an interesting element, uh, you know, really from Chick-fil-A is that uh, you you don't think about this as often, but when they had to shut down operations, they, you know, had to go from, uh, uh, you know, a dine-in service with uh, the ability to um, um, service customers through the drive-up operations, but they really had to go through a process of expanding their order processing operations. Because they could not use dining space, and so they were able to uh, really focus on um, improving wait times as well as the overall customer experience. And something that you know we 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 um, really somewhat take for granted. And uh, you know uh, the um, um, Kyle really talked about how they were able to utilize some of the things they learned through the ERM process to to better handle those operations. And I think then finally uh you know they really touched on you know some of the challenges that they faced with regards to i t and you know what they really had to do was change from the standpoint of uh you know maybe an organization is used to meeting in person, and you know really they re- they had to focus on how do they um, look at technology to help them uh, with communication and in some respects you know being a complete remote for a while that was uh, the only way to communicate was through technology. And how does that uh, tone at the top get impacted if we're not doing business as we we normally do? And so I think those were the key themes uh, from that workshop. Uh, Steve, I'd be interested to hearing if if you had any perspective from your agency.
2: Sure. uh, The Department of Commerce and just in general um, was able to leverage all of the tools of enterprise risk management Um, to be able to give them the ability to understand where there might be areas for focus and improvement uh, as we moved into this era of um, remote work and having the ability to uh, deal with the resources that uh, started to flow in. So we kind of leveraged that process to ensure that we have the, uh, you know, the sufficient internal controls in place uh, to be able to manage and that the employees have the tools that they needed to have from a technology standpoint in order to get their job done.
0: Well, great. Thanks to you both on that. So, um, yeah, some great lessons there. I, I enjoyed the, hearing about that Chick-fil-A. I noticed that uh, every time you go there now, they got like 100 people waiting outside to to take your order. So maybe that's what happened with COVID. I don't know. It was good. I like that. <laughs> um So Bert, let's go into the, uh, or actually, are we doing Bert or Steve? I'm sorry. The next one here, we're going to be talking about the uh, effect of COVID on the workforce. I think Steve's going to kick us off on that one, if you don't mind.
2: Yes. Thank you very much. Um I basically wanted to talk about what the, you know, and this is playing on obviously what I had uh, discussed during, during the, the seminar, but you know, the CFO Council, prior to COVID, actually had an effort underway to uh, look at how we were going to modernize the workforce. And we basically started that process, uh, interestingly enough, about six months prior to the, to the uh, you know, shutdown <laughs> when, when COVID hit. And that didn't necessarily slow us down because we then turned to a complete remote environment, which is obviously what the, the entire federal government did. Um As we were trying to manage that, but what we also were able to do um is leverage our experiences in working in that environment to ensure that we incorporated as much as what we were experiencing in our day to day working of coming up with what that modernization effort could look like for the financial management workforce and taking our experiences in developing that modernized strategy and incorporating those into sort of a lessons learned, I guess you could call it. Uh, for how do, how do we leverage a remote workforce? Um, so the outcome of that, which I'm uh, happy to say after an 18-month period, which basically was right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic, we issued our version 1.0 of our workforce uh, strategic plan, which is basically our 10-year strategy for modernizing the financial management workforce. Uh, we identified, you know, seven areas of strategic focus that we wanted to uh, ensure that uh, we had the necessary skill sets and drivers for ensuring the workforce was ready. Uh, Two of those are supporting the current workforce and recruiting for the future workforce. And in those areas, you know, that is where the experience of the pandemic and, and a remote workforce environment helped influence what we came up with as far as the things that we needed to be focusing on um, as, as a community within the financial management workspace. Um, so we were looking at you know, identifying new skill sets, uh, being able to uh, have a stronger reliance on IT, um, obviously because information technology and communication is essential for a, a uh, remote workforce to actually be able to do the jobs that they're doing. Um, working on things such as robotic process automation, and critical thinking and creativity, those are areas that um, we felt needed to be emphasized in, in the new areas of what the financial management workforce would need to be to be successful in the future, because those are things that you can leverage, whether you're in person or or remote. Um, And in addition to the strategic plan, we also are putting forward efforts to uh, create a career planning and training tool that can be accessed remotely, which will allow a centralized uh, resource for all of the financial management community to basically plug into what are the training opportunities that they have. Um, Again, looking at hybrid approaches as opposed to the, your, the traditional in-person training that was done, uh, has been done obviously previously to the pandemic. Um, and it will also help to standardize access for all of the financial management community, which again, because it's a, a, uh, an electronic portal, um, it gives access to folks regardless of geographic location. Um, it it gives, us ac- you know, gives folks access to a more diverse set of, of training opportunities. And again, they don't need to be in an or, you know, in a location that has a you know a classroom that they need that they would have to travel to. They would be able to just do it either in their office space if their office was obviously local, or they could be doing it at home, uh, which is what we leveraged basically for the past 20 uh, so months. Um, and then finally, what I wanted to just sort of touch on are. Uh, and I think you can kind of see it as a theme in what I was talking about as far as our 10 year strategic plan There's obviously going to be some long-term impacts to the way uh, the workforce will be structured within the financial management community as it relates to the pandemic and the effects of the fact that, you know, we actually experienced a significant, um, I'll call it a pilot during the pandemic for remote work. Um, And having us being able to, you know, experiment may not be the right word, but we learned a lot. It was sort of like an ongoing learning process of what can be done remotely versus what needs to be done in person. Um, I would say that, you know, the financial management community from a long-term impact would be moving towards more of a remote, not remote, a hybrid uh, workforce. That would be a combination of, you know, remote versus in person because there are certain aspects of what we do where you need to have that face-to-face communication and not just electronic communication with your stakeholders um, for those in the financial management community that do, you know, appropriation presentations. The appropriators want to have those presenta- your briefings and hearings in person uh, whenever possible, because you get a better, you know, dialogue going back and forth. But then there are other aspects like the transactional component uh, and the analytical and policy component that may suit itself to that remote environment. And so, um, the financial management community is participating in the government-wide future of work effort that's being led by the Office of Management and Budget. I'm actually a part of that effort as, as the chairman of the uh, Workforce Modernization Executive Steering Committee. And so we're looking at how can we leverage our experiences with during the pandemic to help create better balance uh, from a work-life standpoint, uh, taking advantage of the fact that being remote allows for a more uh, access to a more diverse workforce, that will get us access to skill sets that aren't necessarily in the immediate geographic regions uh, that we have traditionally had our brick and mortar, uh, re- you know, in-person uh, activities when it comes to financial management uh, functions. So, you know, that's to basically say, still a lot more work needs to be done. Uh, but I think the experience of the past 20 months has definitely allowed us to see how we can increase our flexibility from work, from working and allowing folks to have a combination of teleworking and remote work and still can get the job done, can still meet our mission requirements, um, while also recognizing that we're providing a, a benefit to the employees as far as giving more flexibility, work-life flexibility, work-life balance. And, and things of that nature. So I, I don't know, Bert, if you would like to add the overarching perspective on, on that from a workforce and the effects of COVID?
1: Yeah, thank you, Steve. I, I, I do think, you know, I, I'm, I'm struck by, you know, your, your comments as it relates to, you know, the changes in the pilot in, in kind of a, a new work environment uh, that we kind of entered into. And I, I kind of look at it as that uh, that work environment was, was changing, but um, at a much slower pace then now. And so I really do think, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, as it relates to the workforce, ERM is going to continue to play and will will need to play a a critical role in how you um, manage risks within the organization in a hybrid model or whatever that model is going to be in the future. And uh, so that's what I really have, have kind of been struck by is is that the importance of looking at this from an enterprise standpoint and really understanding the risks of of your workforce, uh, that, you know, not only the risk from the standpoint of some of the things that we think about that might cause losses to an agency, but also the risk of maintaining that workforce, keeping the workforce engaged and keeping them, you know, uh, on that entity and mission as a whole. So uh, I think it's an area that is really going to become very prime and, and focused uh, with regards to enterprise risk management and the way it can can be uh, helped to manage your workforce.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I'll put my two cents in, and
1: yeah, I also
0: think it's. I'm just thinking of this almost as if we've already done a pilot, right? The last two years of what works and what really doesn't work remotely or hybrid. It's really been an eye opener, and even a lot of people are. You know, they they only want to work remote jobs now, and there's peop- there's companies and agencies maybe that will allow that. And, again, it's, not, it's looked at differently. You actually could accomplish this 100% remote. There's no real reason for us to force you to come in here. But for this position, you at least need to be nearby or you do need to come in. So, yeah, this is, in a way, definitely almost been a pilot in itself just having to go through this effort. So, yeah, it's very interesting what you guys are doing
2: um yep it 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 definitely shows where some of the challenges are as well because although you you there are aspects of where um people can do hundred percent of their job remotely, it also puts a strain on you know one of the core fundamentals of a of a high performing team because you're you you have to figure out other ways to create those interpersonal relationships that are the essential to people knowing. That we are one team and we're not just one person in one location and one person in another location because you typically would have that dynamic in an in-person environment. So you have to, you know, the challenge is how do you do that in a remote or hybrid environment and still maintain that high-performing team?
1: Yeah. And I'd
0: argue that's still pretty hard. I, I haven't seen anybody do it too well yet. I'm sure somebody's figured it out, but they have to tell us about it. Um, well, great. Well, so I think we have one more topic and then we'll just talk a little bit high level about some of the breakout sessions and, uh, talk about the next, uh, training session coming up. But, uh, Bert, why don't you, uh, why not you lead us off here on that third topic, the, uh, role of ERM in budget uncertainty.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Uh, you know, the the 2019 shutdown of the federal government, as well as the, um, you know, COVID-19 pandemic really um, caused us to look at how do we utilize ERM in, in the time of budget uncertainty and how do we, you know, manage our budget process. And uh, so this session really explored uh, those disruptions and looked at how do you integrate this ERM process? Uh, also you know looking at uh, a situation where there was a massive uh supplemental funding uh to respond to the covid-19 uh situation and how do you manage all of that and the the operational changes that you need to make uh as well as the long-term strategic uh relationships that you need to uh understand uh with all of these facets and so um You know, the the speaker really talked about, you know, how the budget uh, should be built around risk. Uh, Also, what do you do in times of budget uncertainty, as well as uh, the transition of utilizing ERM for improvement opportunities in your budget process. And so as we looked at, you know, building your budget around risk, uh, you know, some of the ERM principles that were considered. Uh, You know, look at the old practices and the budget formulation uh, and um, look at those areas that have been rated in a higher risk category and look at what do you need to do from a budget perspective to reduce those particular risks. And so that helped uh, agencies, especially in situations where there was increased funding due to the pandemic. To address some of those risky areas uh, in their budget response, and so that was an area that um, you know really I think um, agencies were forced to focus on uh, you know during that budget process and and really um, understand that a little better. Uh, and then also the speakers talked about the just the the ERM transition improvement and by incorporating ERM functions into the budget development, there were some clear benefits that the uh, speakers identified. Several advantages uh, included um, uh, organizations have been able to um, fund operating expenses and IT equipment to support the transition to a telework environment or or remote environment. Also, um, you know, agencies were able to, uh get that additional funding to get those uh technology systems up and running within a shorter period of time uh because they need to needed to get the workforce working again and getting those systems secure so uh the agencies were able to find out ways to expedite that process and to in- incorporate some of the group discussions and group participation in the budget process so that they could you know, really work on um, incorporating those into the budget themselves. And then also, um, you know, that group activity really helped in the area of communication between the various budget departments and the risk teams to um, understand the need for funding, understand what they needed to do as to uh, address some of those issues that that had been prompted by the pandemic itself itself and how those can be focused and addressed within the budget. It's an uncertainty that we've been facing and continue to face to some respects. And so I I think that the the speakers um, from um, the US Department of Housing and Urban Development and Department of Justice really were able to kind of focus on some great ideas as to uh, uh, utilizing ERM in that budget process itself. Uh, Steve, I'll turn it over to you to add any comments that you've been able to use at uh, Commerce.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I'd like to focus on two aspects. Uh, first, um, the Farm of Commerce has tried as best as it can, because obviously no process is ever perfect. But we've you know, incorporated ERM into our budget process to allow us to ensure that giving us that proper tie between the program and the budget so that we understand what the programmatic risks are, and how does that influence the budget requirements so that way during a budget uncertainty, you know, because the budgets tend to always be uncertain in this day and age, um, you know, that we are positioning ourselves so we can, to ensure that we have the resources identified for the highest priority, biggest risk areas to ensure mission delivery. Um, so that, that's one of the benefits that ERM has played uh, for us within a budget uh, uncertainty, times of budget uncertainty. Um, the, the second part I would say that because we have been using ERM for several years now, it also helps to identify where, where are our biggest risk points from a financial perspective when it came to getting that major influx from the American Recovery Act, you know, that, that American Recovery Plan that we were able to get ourselves positioned very quickly to know where do we need to have a, a focus on the areas of the process of getting the money out to the American public as quickly as possible, so that the impacts of the resources could be that were anticipated or desired could actually be felt, but not do it in a way where we reduce our ability to ensure that the we could account for the money correctly, and so we had that already laid out. We already knew in our grants process and man- our financial assistance process where those areas of high risk were, where the areas of potential uh, fraud could be increased, and allowed us to apply our resources appropriately to ensure that we didn't increase that risk any more than what we would normally have had during our regular budget and appropriated process. Um, and that was what I see as one of the major benefits that the ERM process allows you to do is it allows you to position yourself appropriately and, and be prepared. And So when you do have those influxes of resources, which more will be coming, we just had the infrastructure bill passed and we don't know if there will be additional resources coming uh, from Build Back Better. Um, but I think it positions the org- you know, agencies who have, Uh, even the beginnings of an ERM program to be able to position themselves appropriately to know where to target and where they need to be watchful from a compliance and oversight standpoint.
0: Great. Well, thanks for that. And uh, I think we'll just have one more topic here and we'll probably wrap it up in a minute, but um, so maybe Bert, yeah, why don't we just talk a little bit high level, you know, anything that you thought was interesting from the breakout sessions, kind of wrapping up the report there and, and yeah, we'll just get some final words from the both of you after that.
1: Yeah, sure, Paul. I think with regards to the the breakout sessions, uh, you know, after the the uh, three sessions on energy mission, workforce, and budget uncertainty, there were uh, separate breakout sessions, and this is, I think, really the value of this workshop is is getting that perspective from all of the participants, and that's a true value of you think about it, enterprise risk management. Uh, you know is really getting that collaboration, getting that communication and that discussion uh, to to talk about the the, the various uh, subjects and learn from each other how some agencies do it well, some agencies uh, can figure out better ways to approach it by listening to uh, to what others have to say, so I think those workshop uh, breakout sessions were very valuable in in covering these topics because as we've been you know addressing for these you know going on two years i guess now uh you know the the covid uh situation um there's there's no better way than to work through a crisis like this by working together and uh you know i think erm really facilitates uh that ability to 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 really come together as a team and really address your problems which is going to be uh, essential for us uh working through these issues as we manage uh our mission and uh agency agencies uh through this process.
0: Great. Well, um I guess I guess Steve one more chance you any, anything else you want to mention about the com- about the uh the conference or just any final words of uh encouragement for us here?
2: <laughs> um the, the I guess the words of encouragement I would say from a workforce perspective is the fact that One of the key pillars of the new president's management agenda is a focus on strengthening the federal workforce. And so I think that lends a lot of credibility to the uh, need to recognize that the most important and largest resource that we have and are responsible for uh, being stewards of is the workforce itself. Um, That delivers on the missions and the priorities of each of the individual agencies. Um, And so from a financial management standpoint, since obviously that's where my subject matter expertise is, I'm extremely encouraged about having that pillar in the PMA. And what we are working towards within the federal CFO council is to align our workforce modernization strategy to that PMA so that we can assist not only within our FM community, but to try and leverage the work we're doing across all the executive councils that we have, whether it be acquisitions, the data, the data data council, the CIO council, uh, the ERM group, all of the performance groups so that we can make sure that each aspect of the workforce within um, our purview is getting the leverage that they need in order to get the job done and that we're taking into account what is actually happening today through this whole pandemic and, and making the uh, work-life balance even better than it is now.
0: Great. Well, appreciate that. Um, all right, Bert, will not you tell us about the next one coming up here
1: well it's uh it's already twenty twenty two and uh we the next session is uh uh we're doing another workshop uh, it is uh scheduled for an in person uh on april fourteenth twenty twenty two at the d c convention center so we're looking forward to uh putting a we're in the process of planning for that uh Workshop right now, and um, you know, you'll see in the next uh, few weeks that you'll see some information coming out about the workshop and uh, the plans for the topics to be covered during the workshop. So uh, this is a great opportunity for uh, agencies as well as others that uh, that you know work in the agency to to really understand how ERM can better impact their their uh, work and better in, impact their agency's mission and uh, to accomplish that mission. Great. Well, we look forward to that. And
0: Bert and Steve, thanks again for coming on the podcast and uh, really got some great insights. Thanks again for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks so much, Paul. That's the show. Thanks for joining us. Affirm.org is where you go to learn more about Affirm, federal ERM, government ERM, listen to some more podcasts, provide us some feedback. We'd love to hear it. Now we're in uh, 2022, a new year, new opportunities, new risks. So we'll definitely be talking all about that. So until next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Risk Chats with a Firm.